Right now, the world seems like it's kind of going into a bad place. And if you're like a lot of us right now, kind of wondering, are you prepared? Do you have what you need? Do you have a plan? Are you making the correct steps to get there? One of our Academy members, Danielle, reached out to us and said, hey, could we talk about this? And we said, of course. And we recorded this conversation. And I think we really arrived at some meaningful answers and some meaningful ideas. And we just wanted to share that with you guys. So take a listen. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Okay, one thing that I, well, so one thing that's been on my mind, which I think I've probably already mentioned in my Facebook post that you've been engaging in, but just like in general prepping as well as I can for whatever might come in the near future, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which yeah. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised by anything, I don't think. Right. <laughs> and since we're so new to like learning this mindset, I've just kind of been like going through everything that would be necessary. Like even as far as if we were out of power, you know, like that's never been something normal for me to have to consider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, we've always... Well, our, our entire adult lives, we've just lived in the city or on a military base and it's just, it's all just taken care of for you. And we, we rented and mm-hmm. anyways, so just kind of going over a lot of that. And one of the things, I guess, as far as just if power goes out, if supplies keep going out, if we can't get the medical care that we would, you know, normally be able to get. One of the things I'd really like to learn more about is medicinal herbs. And I know that you guys have stuff on it and I, I've watched some of that. I, I think there's still more that I still need to watch, but I am so new to growing any kind of herb. I tried growing some echinacea, but it didn't come up, which I'm not surprised because I have straight sand. I hadn't like done anything yet, but I just was thinking, what are maybe the most basic, simple ones you would recommend to begin with? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned echinacea because I feel like it's one that people know about and you can use all parts of the plant, but it's not one that I've ever harvested. I mean, we have it only in the last two years growing because I think it is a trickier one to cut yourself some slack to get to grow well. I think it will do fine in sand, but I would probably start with a plant. Did you start with seed? Is that what you did? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really hard to get going. And it really only flowers in its second year, sometimes third. So I planted a bunch of like starts. I guess it was early last year and it took about 18 months before we really saw them take off and, and bloom. Oh. Of course, they always have them in garden centers and stuff, but you might want to find a local place that you know doesn't use a lot of chemicals and such. Although I've been known to buy things on clearance because, you it's know, the chemicals are here already. I mean, you know, right. like I try to, I try to right. be restricted there, but anyway. Right. Well, um, that's what I was going to ask because I don't know that I've ever found echinacea plants, but maybe it's just because I wasn't looking. Well, they're called, they're coneflower at the store. Okay. So purple coneflower is very common and lots of different colors actually are okay. like, they're a native, they're a perennial, they're a very good plant to grow because they're easy. Once they okay. start, they get established, they'll just keep coming back. Same thing but, with lavender, right? It's hard to start from seed. Well, actually with the sandy soil, you have an advantage with lavender. It's actually much harder for us to grow than it might be for you to grow. There are a lot of places that grow a lavender pretty well out 
towards the coast a little bit more because they love sandy soil. So mm -hmm. I'll add sand to soil for lavender, but I don't have a lot of success with it because it does like kind of the, it likes breezes like wind and cold even. So we don't really have a lot of that. We have a lot it of humidity. It likes <laughs> bad soil. Like, it doesn't, yeah. Most herbs actually prefer not such great soil. So the richer oh. the soil, the worse off you are. So the sandy soil that you have is actually probably ideal for a lot of different herbs. Oregano, thyme, basil, somewhat basil. You know, I was thinking a step back would be thinking about an herb spiral. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that before, have we, with you? No, but I've seen you mention it. I don't remember if it yeah. was in a post in the group or what. Well, I know, I think we recommend a guy's garden and I think there's a good amount about herb spirals in guy's garden, but it's the way of kind of like creating this tiered system and planting in an appropriate way so that some plants have even more drainage than others. And some maybe get more sunlight on the south side than the others on the north side. So looking for a plan that helps you kind of organize your herbs that way can be really helpful and help you kind of create the right environment for each one in a compact area which means less weeding and all kinds of things. So it's a good- Yeah, I think I have a good place to do that depending on how much sun and shade I would need. Well, it'll just change what herbs you can grow. But there are a lot that grow in a lot of sun. There are a lot that grow in not a lot of sun. So it just depends on what you want. But I think like, I think I even said in your post, the culinary herbs, I feel like are easier to grow for the most part, easy to access. And there's like, a lot of varieties that have been hybridized over the years yeah. to make them really easy to grow. And then mm -hmm. there are a lot of medicinal herbs that just have never really been colonized, I feel like is the right word. So if you really wanted them, you'd have to wildcraft them. And okay. there's nothing wrong with that. It just, it, it's going to be specific to your area. It's going to be, you know, specific to what has happened to the soil that's around you and just mm -hmm. becoming familiar with what's what's there, what you can use and what you can't use. And that's like an ever ending process. Right? And you can like look in your area for like an arboretum mm -hmm. or garden center. Gar well, I was thinking like we we're known to like just take little cuttings in like arboretums in oh, right. those kind of places, yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. There. But and then you can come back and root those and get your own stock started from plants that you are gotta growing. You got to be careful well. at arboretums too with that. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of one of those things where by the shadows of dusk, you can maybe grab yeah. something that you know won't hurt the plant kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Or like sometimes around the base of a plant, you can see something coming up that they don't need or whatever. But <laughs> they don't need. <laughs> yeah. They, they maybe that wouldn't, that wouldn't be missed. Right. right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's good because, yeah. Um, you know, I have all this peppermint. It grows like crazy and I've yeah. dried a bunch of it and Yesterday, I was looking for peppermint tea because I remember reading that it's actually it might have been listening to your guys's thing. Oh, I don't remember <laughs> that it's a cooling herb. Yep. And my son just has not been feeling well and he didn't have a fever, but kind of a temperature. And I thought and I was looking through all my tea and I'm like, oh, I don't have any peppermint tea left. And I was like, oh, my word, I'm so dumb. <laughs> like, I, I'm so new to this that I had all these jars of like dried herbs, hadn't even thought to use them. So it's it was kind like, of a tricky thing to make the crossover from having it purchased and having it that you didn't have to purchase. Like, yeah, there is something in the moment. moment. Yeah, yeah, it takes a second. I still do that sometimes. Like, I'm like, oh, I need red clover. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I picked bunches and bunches of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's um, so fun. Yep. Peppermint is a really good thing. Peppermint's a good one. I'd say like 
probably one of the top medicinal herbs would be oregano mm -hmm. in my mind that's like an antiviral yeah i have oregano oil but i hadn't planted any so. Is it oregano essential oil or oregano oil? Essential oil, oil. yeah. Because okay. I was going to say the bulk of my knowledge started with using essential oils. It's just like a gateway into really learning and diving yeah. in. And so I have a lot of essential oils. Okay. I still usually have to look up, except for a few that I use all the time, I still have to look up, you know, what to use. But I have, but I'd like to get into, I mean, not that I would move away from that. Mm -hmm. but I would like to be able to just make teas and simple things. I, I'm probably not quite ready for anything too complicated. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I feel like you in like whatever quality you're looking for, for example, look in your oil book and say, okay, I want something that's cooling. I want something that's a fever reducer. I want something that's antibacterial or whatever. Look there and that'll be a good starting point. And even mm -hmm. if you don't have the oil, if you have like basil or oregano are good examples, the plant, the, the herb that you have in your spice drawer do many of the same things. They're just not as concentrated. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Another one that probably grows natively is plantain. Mm -hmm. Like that's a super powerful, really is it not a herb, is it grass? I guess technically yeah. an herbaceous perennial. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. But no matter what it is, that's a good one to know and be familiar with because that'll like draw out bee stings mm -hmm. and different things like that. Toxins, lots of yeah. things. And um, health. I've heard a lot about that recently, but I honestly, and I, I've seen it in my lifetime, but I don't see it in our yard or anything too often. I bet it's um, there. I bet you just maybe haven't. Once you identify and you know it, then you will start to see it everywhere. And it's okay. it's very hard to find a place where it doesn't grow because it's such a such a healer and our land needs healing that it's kind okay. of everywhere. And it's actually, oh. I read this in a second source yesterday, but originally it was called white man's footprint because it kind of follows white men everywhere. And not like, not necessarily, <laughs> well, sort of, but like not necessarily on accident, sort of on purpose because there's so many medicinal qualities. Like when the English came over, they wouldn't have left without plantain. They, like they brought it with mm -hmm. them, but it's been here for over 400 years and it's everywhere. It really is. And there's like three, at least three there's different, several different varieties. varieties. Yeah, I think there's more oh. than that actually. But so you could, you could have it and not recognize it compared to a picture you saw, but. Maybe I will give my kids a school assignment to go find some. Yeah. Yay, a lot know. of, a lot of times where the soil is highly compacted, it'll Driveways, be. Driveways, so, sidewalks. Yeah, like gravel. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Sorry, what was that? All herbs, would you grow? I said high traffic areas. I mean, I'm, I'm going to grow whatever I can, but right. <laughs> <laughs> what would I prioritize? I mean, lavender is high on my list, but it's also tricky to grow. So I don't, I think you might have actually a better chance of getting good lavender growing. Just okay. look up varieties that maybe grow super well. I've read that lady lavender is really good, but I don't have, I have, not, have yet to find it. There's lots of different varieties of lavender out there available for purchase that Hold on, are hard to know, which is going to be the, the right variety in any given area. So Okay. Do a little maybe research on which lavenders like which kinds of living arrangements. Oh, well, no, um, another one would be lemon balm. Lemon balm or mullen, I was thinking. Uh, mullen is another thing. It probably is, it could be on your property somewhere, but it's always growing on like roadsides and such. And it's now it's completely died back, but it gets real mm -hmm. tall when it flowers, like six feet tall or so. So it's easy to recognize that way. And it's got fuzzy, really soft leaves. Oh, I'll have to look it up. And it's really good for coughs and 
um, all kinds of airways. respiratory stuff. Mm -hmm. People actually like smoke it too to open up the airway, which I haven't done yet because mm -hmm. I, like I have borderline asthma mm -hmm. and it, I'm scared of what that would do, but I mean, you can just make it in a tea, right? You can make it in a tea. You can make it in a tincture. Okay. The tincture has helped me a lot different times so, yeah. and i actually gave a friend had covid a couple weeks ago and i gave him a leaf and told him to just burn it and he did and he said it helped him a ton so oh wow like, like you know like a smudge stick kind of thing but just, yeah like just burn it in a dish yeah. throw it in your fireplace yeah. there you right? go exactly yeah that's good to know actually i'm gonna look for that too i had heard that but i had no clue what it was okay my i have two other questions well maybe one other question so for, I'm just thinking, I'm not really planning yet for next spring, but just thinking, I know the one thing I really want to, I think prioritize for our money, because this year we spent so much money just starting from nothing. But this next year, I think really, I want to spend the bulk of my money on improving the soil. Hmm. And I, I just watched the Back to Eden documentary, yeah. which was oh. so fascinating. The and, mulch guy. That guy is yeah. loves yeah, the mulch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I want to do that. And so I need to find a place to get, you know, soil and all that that's not bags from Lowe's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I like we have a we had a tree guy come. So and he said that he could bring mulch for free, but he hasn't. And so he when he was here last, he said his mulcher was broken anyway so I just need to find somebody to get that from so I still have legwork to do but my question is as far as learning one step further and improving the garden or I guess homesteading in general this might be a really broad question but I guess I I want to know what your thoughts would be on what to learn next in in improving gardening and also the spring we hopefully will have our chicken coop done. <laughs> it's mostly done, but and can get chicks. But that I don't even know where to start. But, but I think like I'm gonna jump ahead of Lacey. I, I think that I was just talking to somebody today at forest school and she's like, Are you worried about the power going out? Or like basically it was your same comment there at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I'm not worried about it because and maybe I should be but because yeah. we can grow our own food so like I would say the next level up for you is what else can you grow in like protein like chickens eggs like maybe becoming comfortable with raising some meat birds and slaughtering them and knowing how to do that whole process oh, I thought your question was much more specific than that maybe it wasn't I, well, I thought your question was how to learn about like the soil like no, I think it was just, what would you, so like this year was just straight beginning, <laughs> like just, just beginning, just doing it. <laughs> just, yeah. and I guess for this next year, year two, what would you work on improving first? So that, that does help. Soil quality for sure makes a lot of sense. And I think by doing the chickens, you're going to do both. Yeah. That's right. And then, you know, mm -hmm. cover crops and plants, getting, getting familiar with plants and also and this is what I'm doing too, because the truth is, you know, I can maybe grow, I can maybe, we can maybe grow enough for our family. Maybe. I mean, I think we could, we're close. I think protein we could. Yeah. But I think that when we really start to step back into an, a life of abundance, which is where I think, you know, I think we, 
we tend to think if we don't have electricity, then we're going to be scraping by with whatever we can grow out of the garden. And we're taking a Shemitah year, you know, the break year. So we really like double thinking on this, but like really getting familiar with the wildlife and not just knowing what it is, but knowing how to actually harvest and use it effectively is that's my goal for this year. And I think that everyone who really wants to be self-sufficient needs to know how to do that because knowing how to identify plants, bring them in and use them, you're going to have so much more access to plants than you would have if you grow everything in your garden for so many different reasons. One, it takes a lot of labor to grow things in your garden. If you don't get seeds, you can't grow it in your garden. If you have a bad crop one year, then you know, you're kind of out of luck and you've put all this energy into this one thing that didn't come to fruition. So being able to really kind of identify on your own, whether that's on your like physical property or in your neighborhood, you know, like going to local parks and things that are, you know, sort of nature reserve type situations where you can go and find things that potentially could be used. Not only will it eventually become like more of a staple in the beginning, I think it becomes like an act of meditation, an act of like recognizing that getting sucked into the fear that we're ever going to not have enough is dangerous. And I think that's happening on sort of both sides of the of the coin right now, like both sides of wherever you land, because it seems like there's only two camps anymore. But, you know, if you are worried about disease or you're worried about somebody coming and taking all your freedoms, either way, you're just living in this place of fear. And I think in that, that second, which is where I tend to fall, right? Like in somebody's going to take all my freedoms away. I have to recognize like there is a lot in this life that I'm not responsible for that there for me to use. And it's not coming to me by way of, of Amazon two day shipping, you know, like it's, it's just already there, right? Like we, and I don't know how to get it. And that's the problem. Not that it's not there, not that it doesn't exist, not that it's, uh, you know, like there's too little, it's just, I don't know how to access it. And that's really, I think across both cultures <laughs> within that context, I think that's kind of a huge, huge discrepancy in our culture at large of like, we just don't know how. And that's really the, the what causes all that fear. Because with that liberation of like, you know, it's there, whether I know how to use it or not, it's a lack of knowledge that we can attain and not a lack of like enough money coming in or a lack of enough, you know, people giving me what I need or enough laws or enough, whatever, you know, like it's just a different kind of connectivity to what's around us that I think eases a lot of those worries that, you know, while I would hate if we didn't have air conditioning anymore. I'd be, I'd be moving. <laughs> Where to? I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> um, That's a conundrum because I don't want to go you north. Want to eat, but... right? <laughs> it doesn't get better either way. But I mean, I think that, you know, like when we say, okay, that's a luxury, you know, it, it feels mm-hmm. good. I like it, but it is a luxury. It's not a survival mechanism. Yeah. What we really need is food and medicine. And that all comes from the land around us. It does not come from Amazon. It does not come from, you know, Walmart even. It doesn't even yeah. you know, come from the plant center necessarily. It's all right there. We just don't know how to tap into it. So yeah, um, anyway. that's something I've, I think that's really, what I've been thinking about most. Like I'm so grateful to God that the timing of everything just happened the way it was because we started thinking this way before COVID and then we moved. I mean, it all just fell into place. We didn't know it was going to go the way it is now. And 
I'm just so grateful we started moving this direction, or at least we're planning in this direction before all this happened. I honestly, like you said, maybe I should be, but I, I have zero fear. One, I mean, if you believe God's in charge, then whatever. But, but also I just, you know, having learning about this stuff and thinking about it more. And like you were saying, we didn't grow up with any of these skills. And I know you said you guys didn't really either. So yeah. Yeah. it really was before like, oh, I'll just buy it. And now I'm thinking in a totally different way. Like even my kids clothes that are full of holes. And before I would just chuck them. It's not like you can donate them. They're full of holes. But now I'm like saving them because I'm thinking, oh, I could cut these into strips and use them to make something. <laughs> I don't even know what. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't want to throw away things that really in some way can be useful. Not that I want to be a hoarder, but. They're fine line. Right? <laughs> I, I feel like it kind of goes back to like my grandma. Like yeah. She would right. pull the tinfoil off the casserole dish. <laughs> and then she'd rinse it off and hang it up and dry it. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what, like, I was going through the grocery store the other day and I was like, how much of this, like, if we didn't have a grocery store, like, you know, yeah. what we're getting now, would we need it? Could we replace it with something else? You know, right. and that, like, compared to, like, what you're saying also of, or in addition to the, like, reusing and repairing, mm -hmm. like, yeah. it has been lost. Like, mm -hmm. people don't yeah. repair stuff anymore. And that I was only what, two generations. Yeah. yeah. I feel like stretching that muscle is another thing that I would add to the list, the resourcefulness muscle, because I do think we all have that capability to, to make something out of nothing or to reuse and to find a new use for things. And we don't have to, so we don't, we don't do it. It's like, <laughs> I do think quality has gone way down. Well, that's too. definitely true. Like, that's well, even single-use plastic. So I, you know, we have these these gallon-sized Ziploc bags to put our dried fruit in, and there are a couple of things that are just stored easier in these Ziploc bags. And yesterday, I had one, and it had been used one time, and it melted. Somebody, I don't know what, oh. if it's close to this stove, and a part of it melted, and I'm like no like my single use like it's actually a single use bag it's like, like my worst <laughs> um but i think you know okay well what if we didn't have plastic at all like how would that revolutionize our lives and people live like that for thousands of years right and yeah. we have so become so so Weak. so like yeah. yeah just yeah anyway plastic um. So I was thinking like a good challenge maybe for you is like to forage or identify and be aware of like one mushroom, one nut. Well, I would make it even plant. simpler, like look around. You have a pretty extensive property that you can go out and yeah. find things. I would say a challenge would be to like go find 10 things. You don't know what they are and really become familiar with them. Yeah. And what okay. can you do with them? Can they be eaten? Can they be use as medicine, are they good for animals to eat? You know, just really be familiar with your your closed zone. I mean, work on like a permaculture basis, like start really closer to your house and move out maybe. Because the more that we know about, like as soon as we walk out the step, like I know what's at, what's growing at the base of my first step, whether it's a grass or it's not, it's all plantain. <laughs> That's all that grows at the base. And there's a couple of like Bermuda grass shrubs. That well, I and I hadn't before. thought to like go to the park. I mean, yeah. we're so new and I don't leave our, I mean, I leave our house, but I mean, we have so much to do here, you know, like you, yeah. there's no need to go too often. I, yeah. I don't even know all the parks and stuff there are, but I, I'm going to go and just look around and see what there is. 
Um, because in the South, I'm just amazed. Maybe it's just because I'm new to this, but I feel like in the South, I'm amazed at what grows naturally down here, like even yeah. flowers and stuff. I mean, it's just awesome. It's yeah. Nothing like the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I just had a thought and I forgot what it was. Well, no, just my other thought was why I'm not afraid is basically what you guys are doing. You're building this community. Yeah. And um, I mean, we don't need no tons of people, but the other reason I'm not afraid is because we, we know enough people and intentionally I've been getting to know farmers. Our next door neighbor is a farmer. His family for generations has farmed here mm. and we're good friends now. And, and I've like, I've taken him, he had COVID and I took him some lemon ginger tea. And I, mm. I mean, we just help back and forth. So I already know, I told my husband, I was like, I'm really not worried because they wouldn't let us starve. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's yeah. part of it too. Um, people that do know more than I do. Well, I'm glad you said that because I think community is probably the number one thing and we're scrambling to like get this market up and running. And, you know, when we look at our work there, we're not going to make money with it. Like, we're like, why are we working so hard at this? And for us, it feels more like a, I don't want to say survival because I feel like that has a connotation of like, I almost feel like it's more like a, a mission. Like a, yeah, like a mission to restore the strength of the community. Like that's, yeah. I think. And it was always that one person, one family does some one focus and another family does another focus. You're not all going to ever do the same thing. Right. Like not everybody is going to be a bee farmer. Not everybody is going to work with leather or whatever. That's right. what came to mind. Yeah. But you like, like, you know, two generations ago, you had to know people to, to be able to, you know, have all the things because you're not going to do all of it. Right. It's impossible. It's impossible. It really is impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, fortifying that community. I mean, we always say when people say what are the most two important things and water and community are the two most important survival things. If you have water, you can grow everything. If you have, if you have your community, community, then you, then you have the support you need. You're saying yeah. if you have the right kind of community, <laughs> right. a community that can also survive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like though, even in worst case scenarios, like I, maybe I tend to be too like Pollyanna about this, but I really feel like we have this really, uh, like just a bigger ability to make things happen than we think we do. You know, like, I think we think, okay, I don't like when I think of the apocalypse, I think of pictures of like Dorothea Dix, like people in the dust bowl where they couldn't grow anything. And that for me is okay. That's worst case scenario. If I can't grow anything, <laughs> then yes, I can see. But if you have land that can grow stuff, I just feel like anyone can figure it out in a very short period of time if they're fully immersed. You know, it's like an immersion. Especially if you're language. motivated. Yeah, if you're <laughs> motivated, then I think it would be one season and you'd be like an expert on a lot of levels that you, you know, when you don't rely on it, you can take a lot more time to learn yeah. in, in trial and error. But when you need it, you're going <laughs> to, yeah, you're going to just try again. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah no matter what season it is right yeah, yeah, yeah. i think so yeah throw it inside i don't know <laughs> i have a hope that these city people like people are like oh well you know you don't want to put a target on your back because if things hit the fan and people are all going to come out to your place and try to steal everything i'm like i don't i don't <laughs> think so i feel like people are going to be like okay show me what to do and i'll do it and then yeah you know, like that's how i envision the future <laughs> I, I like that feature. I hope it's that way. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not to keep taking up your time. Um, those are actually the only questions I had, Yay. but I just think that 
I've been thinking like I have somebody bawling downstairs. I can hear some um, noise. She's very dramatic. Oh. She's okay. okay. Um, they've been fighting for weeks, last oh. two weeks, a lot of fighting. What was I thinking? Oh, people that are not like planning. I, I don't know why. I don't understand why. What are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, what do you think is going to happen? So honestly, part of what I'm doing, I mean, I'm motivated to go to grow and, and raise animals for ourselves. But honestly, part of me is thinking like, even for our church family, there are some plenty of church members that don't have a lot of money. They, they really, I mean, I'm sure they can grow something, you know what I mean? But not like they can't move out to the country and mm -hmm. have some acreage and, you know, they live downtown Fayetteville. And I just think if stuff hits the fan, I'm going to be prepared and I will be able to, you know, not just help our family, but help them because then I would not want to be in downtown Fayetteville. <laughs> if this stuff does, hits the really, fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm not headed towards Fayetteville if things get real bad. <laughs> I don't know if the, if there's, if it's just in my mind, but I have this like thought that the the like firearm per capita is a lot higher in that region than anywhere else. Well, probably because of all the military. And it's funny because I've always heard, oh, you don't want to live there. It's horrible there. I mean, it's had that reputation for decades. Yeah. But honestly, I, I mean, I don't live in Fayetteville mm -hmm. and there are areas that are not nice, just like any other city, yeah. but I don't think it's too bad. Like I, I'm, I'm just like, I really don't think it's that bad. I love where we are small, like podunk town. It's perfect, but I really what don't think it's that bad. What Sorry? What town are you in? St. Paul's. Um, we're right by Lumberton. Most people have heard of Lumberton. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> spent the first night of our honeymoon in Lumberton. Yeah. Really? The, Beginning of our story at right the there. Holiday Inn. No, I don't even think it was. <laughs> the holiday, maybe it was because I worked at Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're right in between like 10 minutes from Lumberton, 10 minutes from St. Paul. So it's great because St. Paul's, it's, we can be part of that community, mm -hmm. but Lumberton is what really has, you know, resources. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Walmart and Lowe's and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. well, thanks guys. I don't want to take up any more time, but that's really helpful. I just wanted to get an idea of what to start improving for next year but then also for this prepping like herbalism i feel is one thing i i mean you, I, i've googled it you can google it but i kind of need a little bit no i feel like google's more help you can get a lot of different answers on there yeah. you know? like it's yeah. better to find a trusted resource and i'll show you i just right. got a book that i really like so you can probably find this really cheap okay but i think i hope it's for beginners <laughs> i think yeah. just the traditional herbs that like old-timey herbs that people have been cooking with and using yeah. for generations those are all are because of the medicinal properties well i have rosemary i mean it it's growing fine it's stayed really small like this big and so i i didn't want to use too much and i think it'll do fine yeah. but it just didn't really grow very much so i didn't want to use it but i've got it time i tried to go grow twice and it died um but my, plant or what was it i i bought plants twice yeah. One, I try to do twice. I try to do outside once I try to do inside. I just can't keep it alive, but I'll try again next year. But I have basil and Thai basil that are everywhere and huge. And then I have in the garden. I mean, a lot of them I just planted for really purposefully for like a repellent, but they grew so well. 
So I have tons of peppermint and basil and I planted dill and I can't remember what else, but they've been really useful. I mean, like I said that, oh, and sage, I have a beautiful sage plant. And so I know that that can be used medicinally. I haven't looked into what, but I did just put some on some food and I was like, why have I not done this? It was so <laughs> good. But you know, Thanksgiving's coming. So yeah, well, there you go. Okay. So this is an edible wild plant, but this is my favorite for foraging. Oh, and it goes by season. Oh, that's neat. And then this is, it doesn't have a, a jacket on it anymore, but growing and using or a healing herb this one i feel like i see all the time at thrift stores too but maybe that's just in my mind i wish i'd find something that golden at a thrift store you have to go as often as she does <laughs> i would, I, love I would rather spend time in thrift stores than a target any day <laughs> well any that's day. what I, I was actually telling somebody for my birthday i want an entire day like by myself or with a friend to go to thrift stores right. antique stores old used bookstores which are harder to find yeah. That's what I'd like to do. Because who has time to do that? I don't have time to do that. <laughs> it does, it does more kids you have, you know, it, it takes more, yeah. Energy. Oh, no, I'm not taking them with. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Defeats yeah. the purpose. But this is a really good book. And um, okay. it has some ideas for how to grow things in like circles and stuff. Not really an herb spiral per se, but it goes through making herbal syrups and things like that oh, too. Okay. So this is a good starting point for me. Now, can you give me the definition of a tincture? Well, a tincture would just be taking the herb and covering it with a liquid. Generally, it's some kind of an alcohol. Oh. And then letting that soak for a period of time, a couple, up to six weeks or so, and shaking it every once in a while. Um, and then the essence of that plant, like the oils and all of that, mm -hmm. comes out into that liquid. And then you can use that tincture. You can also do it with water. And that, that can be, you know, if you don't want the alcohol, you can do it with water. Um, you just like then drink a shot of it or you put it in something or what? Yeah, generally, you don't even need that much. Generally, like a dropper full, maybe a few drops mm -hmm. of, okay. from the dropper. But the actual, like, so in homeopathy, you oh, have these tinctures and actually the more you dilute them, the more powerful they become because water is a solvent for these herbs and water is really translatable for humans to like absorb things. So okay. when you take something that's like super diluted, it becomes more absorbable and powerful. So that's how homeopathy works. Now you don't have to like keep diluting, keep diluting to get more power if you don't want to, but um, it is a technique and that's how in homeop homeopathy, the more diluted something is, the more potent it is. Herbalism is a little bit different, but a lot of herbs are used in, in a homeopathic way. Okay. That's a... Well, that's actually easier because I was really like intimidated by tinctures, but I guess that seems really don't easy. be it's just soak it in vodka mm -hmm. is like the easiest way to do it. And like okay. you can't really go wrong. Like we when we like years and years ago we made tons of tinctures, but they don't taste good. They're nasty. It's hard to get the kids to take. Well, them. if you do it, that's why I like oils have taken over because they're a little yeah. easier. You don't have to take them internally. You can use them topically and they're effective. Yeah. I guess technically you can with tinctures too, but I don't, I don't know how you would use tinctures. I'll just do. stick with oils for now. Cause I guess I know more about that. Yeah. It's easier. And, but okay. there are some tinctures that I think are like, if you can't get a lot of a plant and if you can't get an essential oil, then making a tincture yeah. is a really good option. Well, and that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. Even the essential oils, if they're growing that in another country and they can't get it here, 
that's where the problem comes. So if I can grow, if it's a plant that I can grow myself, then that helps. Yeah. So if, if I have access to the oils, that's great. But if yeah. we can't get them into our borders, then that's where it becomes a problem. So, yeah. Okay. I might look into that more. Okay. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I appreciate it. Some ideas figured... on challenges now, herbalism challenges for people. I like it. Yeah. And that's something I feel like in, in some ways I can do in the winter. <laughs> I can learn yeah. about that in the winter. For sure. Yeah. Now is the time to, and I, you know, it's funny we talk about that. What do you do in the wintertime and what do the plants do in the wintertime? The plants go down, right? They like search down deep, build a stronger foundation. So that's really our job right now too. And you're doing it. I'm yes. I was about to say I'm trying, but I am, I'm doing it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks cool. guys. Have a good night. Bye Daniel. Have a good one. Bye. All right, now that you've got some new ideas on how to be more prepared, more ready for whatever's coming, a little bit less afraid, a little bit more secure. And if this is something that you'd like to bounce off your ideas, where are you in the homestead process? Where would you like to be? Go to theschoolhouselife.com and click on the homestead audit button in the top right. We'd love to talk with you more about your plans, your ideas, and help you get some goals and um, just some peace of mind for your homestead and where you're going to be. Also, go on social media, tag us, share this with a friend. And if you would love to help us out, which I'm sure you would, leave us a review so that we know how much this podcast means to you. And it helps us help more listeners find this podcast and have a better homestead life.